Hi, it's still uh, the afternoon. I just got off a long phone call from somewhere. Um, and I'm going to take the opportunity. I've been behind on the summum bonum. I'm going to do something a little along those lines. Uh, as always, with the patronage of Mishpachas Stefanski, who had a big simcha in the family, the engagement of his son. And uh, they should build a, the couple should build a bias neman, be Israel, as we say. And. Uh, I'll tell you what occurred to me since now we're in the middle of Pesach and Cholamite, just before the last days. And I was talking last time about Chazdai Kreskes, I've been preoccupied with uh, last time and so forth. And uh, I want to do a little bit about what he says about Mashiach time, even though it's not exactly the Tchias Mason, but I'll beg your indulgence since I thought it was interesting. And uh, because Chazdai Kreskes, the end of his. Uh, a book of Ar Hashem has a whole chapter of Mashiach when he understands Mashiach time, and uh, in his he doesn't have Mashiach as one of the thirteen principles, but he certainly has it one of the very important points of Judaism. And I just wanted to make one or two uh, points of it, which I thought would be of interest. Uh, when he talks about the Mashiach in his very difficult Hebrew, so uh, he says that, you know, everybody believes in Mashiach is just not clear to us whether the Rambam's right or the other people right. Will it be a time of miracles or will it be Olin Kamina Hagonoig, to use the simple language. Right? And it's, you know, never 100% clear, obviously. The Rambam, as we've talked about before, presents the Messianic era, not the Olam Haba, but the Messianic era, as a time when you'll have, quote-unquote, a from state of Israel and the peace in the Middle East, be a base of Migdash, everybody be from, and everybody will be own a, a big house with four cars, and that's it. Um, and they'll be uh, into learning and whatever. And others say differently, as I told you. <clears throat> but uh, the point that Kreskis makes, and here's something interesting to me, I think a lot of people don't know it, and when I first saw it many years ago, it was a surprise to me, and that's the sheet in Spain of in Aragon, of the Ramban and others, and that is the Mashiach will be bigger than Moshe Rabbeinu. Now usually we come up, most of us, on the Maimonidean skill, that uh, there, there never was and never will be anybody like Moshe. Uh, it doesn't say in the Chumash, something like that. So Moshe is the greatest of all time. Mashiach will be very great, no question about it, but not like Moshe. And yet, uh, uh, the Ramban doesn't say it that way. And uh, there is a Medrash, which goes on the uh, chapter 52 in Isaiah, which he, he asked the suffering servant, which is a description of someone who's suffering for the, for the sins of mankind, the Christians, of course, say it's Yashka, and we say it's Klal Yisrael, or that's the, let's put it this way, that's the traditional interpretation. And uh, you can see it at great length in the Menashe of Israel book in English, if you want, all the different classic interpretations of that. But there is a Medrash, I think, in Tachuma, which says, that, which which Kreskis quotes, and that is, Yorum Avram Nisa Mimosheh Begavim Malchisharis. That the Mashiach, whenever he comes, whoever it is, will be a great person. And his greatness will be greater than Amavino, greater than Moshe, and greater than Malachim. <clears throat> okay? 
So, you know, many people say, really? Uh, you know, I thought most of the one-time deal and so forth. And here he uh, is referring to what I think is, I mean, those who know about know, and a lot of people don't know, the Ramban has a famous passage. I guess you can get it in the Chevelle, you know, Kisri Ramban, on his interpretation of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, 52nd chapter, Avdi, suffering servant, as they call it. And uh, Ramban wants to emphasize the greatness of the Mashiach, that the Mashiach will be self-stirred. And when the time right of Gula comes, <coughs> the Mashiach, whoever he is, will know that. And it'll be, he will discern that the Kates is here. And he'll know this is the time to appear. And the Mashiach himself will know. No one else will stir him. Hashem will make it. That he will know now's the time for me to appear. So a guy could be Mashiach in potential, and uh, you wouldn't necessarily know it. And then at the right moment, he will step forward and start doing messianic type things. What do you mean the right moment? He will know the right moment. Yaskil, why does he use the word Yaskil, which means to discern, the Ramban says? Because in the book of Daniel, it says, Hamaskil miavinu. You know, and then he talks about the end of time, and he says, Stumim v'chasum dvormayitz kates, and all that sort of thing, and, and many will stumble, but maskil miyavidum. The maskil will understand the time to come, and that will be the Mashiach. Maskil means those who have the power of seichel to, to discern. Why does the Pasuk say, Stumim v'chasumim advorm adeis kates? The angel tells Daniel that the matters are hidden till the time of the end. Yizbaru v'yislavni v'yitzavarabim, Many will be purged in the process. It'll be tough. Fihir shiur rishayim, below yavinu kol rishayim, but maskil miyavinu. And what do you mean the rishayim will know at the time of Mashiach? They'll they'll they'll, they'll refuse. They'll be marshiel. They'll be rasha, and they will not want to discern that this is the right time for the Mashiach to come. But the maskilim will. And it's very interesting because Ramban says, "Amar Daniel, you min rishayim sheyashiu lecharif ikvus Mashiach." That there will be people who will be wicked even when the Mashiach comes. Ikvas Mashiach, even in the wake of the coming of Mashiach, they'll continue to be Machar from Agadif. So if the Mashiach came tomorrow, it doesn't mean that everybody would turn from. Bavur Yichura they'll be angry. Why did it take you so long? They'll refuse to believe in him. Okay? So you can already understand how in the history of Judaism, throughout very many messianic movements, uh, you know, some believed and the others didn't believe, and they said, well, the, other, the, the ones that don't believe are simply unbelievers. Okay? Because otherwise, you'd say like this, if you claim your leader, your rebbe, your, your role model is the Mashiach, why doesn't all Kali Yisrael acknowledge him as such? No, no. Even in the time of Mashiach, Yashiu, L'char Fikim, there'll be those who, who, who will refuse to uh, go along with the program. Ki Mashiach, Achim, Mashiach, some will follow follow a false Messiah after somebody Mashiach. So in the time when the Mashiach comes, this is Ramban talking, not me. There'll be people, multiple messianic candidates, shall we say? One of them who's the real thing and the other ones aren't. But the the, the, maskil, the smart ones will understand who the real who, who's the real McCoy. And uh, and that's what he wants to say. 
Now, uh, and and the Mashiach will come with Mekabit Nitzchay Yisrael, Lo Bechayel Lo Kachim Baruchel through his spirit, not through military force. Ke'en Shayagol Rishon. And the model, this is the interesting part I want to say, because now we're in the middle of Pesach, and we're calling about the, the Yitzis Mitzrayim and soon the Kriyas Yamsuf. This is the career of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the first messianic figure. Correct? He was anointed, so to speak, by God at the burning bush. And not anointed with oil, but, you know, chosen by God. And he did rescue the Bnei Yisrael from the clutches of the wicked Egyptians, as we all know, and took them out through Nisim. But who was he? Moshe Rabbeinu was not a Julius Caesar, a Yoav, some military figure who led an uprising against, the, a successful uprising against the Egyptians and led the slaves to their liberation like some kind of Spartacus type or something like that. Uh, that's not who God chose. And that's not how God chose it. But rather, the Ramban says, and it's very interesting, uh, where is it over here? The Mashiach will be like the first redeemer of Moshe Rabbeinu. He walked into Pharaoh unarmed, just with his stick and his tarmil, you know, his uh, his little uh, pocketbook, let's say. A civilian. And he did not lead a physical attack on Egypt, but through his words, he led an attack on Egypt. Notice he pronounced the plagues. Well, if he's on Medrash, so the Mashiach, the Medrash says, says, Yoram Avram, Nisa Mimosha, Gobam Malkasharis. Then the Mashiach, whoever he is, will be Yoram Avram, greater than Abraham, higher than Abraham, Nisa Mosha, more exalted than Moses, but Gobam Malkasharis, and higher than the angels. This Kabbalah Mark, what's the shot? A Mashiach, Yoram Avram, how is he going to be greater than Abraham? Avram was a one-man Kiruv program where he lived in the Lindavur costume. In other words, it's a Nebuchadnezzar also a so to speak. It was Magar Gerim al In spite of the opposition of King Nimrod, this would be the story that Nimrod uh, threw him in the, into the fiery furnace for this reason. So Avram, as we would say today, operated on a small stage. An important one, but only in or costume in those places. Not in China, not in India, you know what I mean, not in Africa. Just in one place. It emanated out of there, I get that, but I'm just saying that's who Avram was. Um, but the Mashiach, when he comes, will affect the whole mankind. Which, by the way, fits in very well with our modern technology, because nowadays... You know, you can do something over here and instantly everybody sees on YouTube. So Avram, he'll be Yorumi Avram in the sense that it'll be higher or greater than Avram. Avram operated. They'll both do the same thing. They'll both be Megayer people, bring them to the uh, uh, acknowledgement of God. But Avram operated small scale. Mashiach operate big scale. Okay? Now, what do you mean, Nisa Mimosha? What do you mean that the Mashiach will be uh, more exalted than Moses? Shabola Paro, because Moshe came to Paro Hamel Hagodol Harasha Shamar Lo Yodatis Hashem, and Paro is portrayed in the Chumash as the epitome of Lo Yodatis Hashem. 
And Moshe was just a humble guy, a shepherd. But in spite of him being unarmed and just a lowly shepherd, etc., he wasn't afraid of, uh, of the powerful Paro. And he took the Jews out of the core of Barzal, out of the fiery furnace of Egyptian slavery. So that's Moshe. To Mashiach will do more. How? Again, the Mashiach will do this across the board. So let's say, just for argument's sake, I'm not saying exactly, but just say for argument's sake, let's say the Jews were stuck in Russia and in Germany and, and in Arabia, Iran, let's say, and the Mashiach comes. He will force all of them to let all the Jews go and lasses nakama bagayim and will punish them. So in other words, Moshe Rabbeinu, again, operated on a small scale, relatively speaking. Moshe's actions didn't hit Greece or Rome or Syria or, again, Asia. You know what I mean, the Middle East. Only Egypt. I'm not making light of that, but it's only small scale. And the Mashiach will do what a Moshe did, but on an international scale. The Gavon Malchasharis, now is he bigger than the Malchasharis, that's, I'll, I'll, I'll put that one aside. I won't go to that. But Mashiach now, how? And this will be attributed to the fact that the Mashiach will have a tremendous Milo and he'll be close to Hashem, meaning he'll understand, have a close relationship to Hashem. Now, really? I thought they say Moshe. You know, and Kamod uh, means there never will be anybody like Moshe. He said, Well, the Ramban says, Avram was called God's friend, Avram Ohavi, and he made a treaty with Avram and promised him everything. And Moshe, you'd think, was closer than any other human being. And the angels in heaven are right next to God. See that? So all of them will be inferior to the Yediyah Hashem as the Mashiach will be. So this already like you know, puts the Maimonidean model like something on the side. Because you'll have people here who, um, if I understand this correctly, will be in the physical world, but will will have the knowledge that the Rambam only ascribes to the metaphysical world. The Rambam would say that the whole point of Olam Haba is to get to another state of being, to have an increased Yediyah Hashem, which is the greatest of all pleasures, uh, the greatest of all delights. And he says, you got a guy, Mashiach, who will be like that Mamash over here. Okay? L'kacham Yishayo, Shuyorim B'Sichol Ashiyaskim Modus Hashem, Literally, they call That's why I once had an argument. Well, I won't get into that. And somebody, the guy, somebody's bigger than Moshe and he said, "Yes, he is." I said, "How can you say that?" But the truth is, Ramban holds that way. And Kreskis mentions this: that the Mashiach will be some exalted figure over here. The only thing is, he lived at the time of the tremendous Christian persecutions as I've been talking about in the last couple of podcasts in 1391 and afterwards in Spain. And um, one, and and obviously 
if there's a tremendous Christian persecution, medieval Catholic persecution of the Jews, and it's an intellectual attack, not just simply a physical pogrom, then the question had to do with the Messianic coming. The Christians, of course, claiming that the Mashiach has already come, and the Jews saying no. And he's saying over here that, yes, it's true, that you shouldn't try to calculate when the Mashiach is coming. Uh, but he goes on to say, and this is interesting, if you want to talk, talk about the fact that Mashiach is not yet here and hasn't come yet, to talk about that at great length, even without telling me an exact year, is pointless. Because we all know that the Mashiach is not here yet, despite what the Christians claim. Why? The last thousand years or so that we've heard about it, we haven't heard of a Jewish state, a Jewish king, which we would have heard of had the Mashiach come. The Kibitz Nefutz is saying about Bakanfosars. We haven't heard that there has arisen anywhere in the last 1,000 years. Remember, he's talking about the year 14. He's living around the year 1400. So we haven't heard, right, in a long time that there's been a king who's gathered, done kibbutz Goliath, because and it certainly didn't last because we ourselves can see we Jews are scattered around the world. We're still in Goliath. There's no question about that. So how can anybody claim, you know, plausibly that the Mashiach's here or has come or anything like that? So that, he says, nothing to talk about. However, uh, what what is bothersome to people, he says, and this I thought was interesting, it has to do especially with Pesach and Agoda and the seventh day and all the rest of it, is the nature of Golis itself and the relationship of the Golis that you and I are in at this moment on the one hand, with the other Golises, including, may I say, the Golis Mitzrayim. If you want to talk about anything to the point, maybe you can talk about the fact that the Golis is so long, and been thousands of years, which we never had in Jewish history. Okay? He says it's the, like the year 1407 or something like that. Okay? And in other words, the current Golis, the one that you and I are in at the moment, is unprecedented. In Jewish history, we have had, uh, you know, Gauluses, but not like this one. Okay? Gauluses Mitzrayim, Lamnin Shehiyosimi Reshid Shanim. In Egypt, it was 210. Gauluses Bavel, which was because of Gilarai Shvichadam of Adazar, Gilashabas of Arhesia, and Gauluses Bavel was because of big sins, biggies. It was only 70 years. Okay? Uh, and Hagolz uh, Azeb, but by contrast, the goals that you and I are in now, I mean, when the base of Mishra was destroyed second time by the Romans, it's not recorded they had those kind of big sins. They had sins that were smaller. Isn't it interesting? In other words, what they say, after all, the Gemara says, they were so righteous, why did they get punished? And some say sin is chinam, and some say, you know, they didn't have respect for Tomei Chachamim, and some say other things, but that long? So no, let's say it was sin is chinam. And I'm not defending sin is chinam. 
But how can you compare it to Gil and and all the rest of it? You understand? Doesn't make any sense. It would seem that the sins of yesteryear were bigger than the ones of now. Then our goals should have been less than bubble. Then, no, they were 70 years, we should have been 35 years, something like that. And yet we know that's going on and on and on and on. This is what people are asking. And obviously, it must have led people to say, maybe the Jewish religion is not true. Where the Gauls, you know, makes no sense that we're here for this long. Because uh, why should one Gauls be bigger than the other? That's what didn't make any sense to him. And the answer he comes up with, which is, you know, and also Ramban, Raj, others say that way also, is how do you, and this is the point I want to get to today, how do you evaluate or, or calculate the different Gauls? To put in simple terms, have we had several goluses in Jewish history? The way it's popular to say that there's four parts, there's Bavel, Persia, Greece, and Rome, that sort of thing, the quadripartite gullus, the dalagolios, or is that all wrong? It's all part of one big story, one big gullus in the first place. Uh, right? and that's an interesting way of looking at it from a historical point of view because history is about how you evaluate the past how you evaluate the past, okay? And uh, it was just interesting because he's going to argue that basically um, when they lost the first base of Migdash, that was because those are indeed three big sins. That's the one we're in now. And because of those three big sins, it makes sense that we're still in Golos for Gila, and Chil Shabbos What about the Bayashini? And the famous thing, it's a Pekita Bahama. That was, that was like a bump, an episode. It wasn't a real thing. Okay? So when the base of Mesha was destroyed the second time, it merely involved a resumption and a continuation of the first calls. You understand? Of the first calls. That is his uh, argument, which is an interesting one. So in other words, we've been in the same Gaulus, you know, for thousands of years. Much more than since the year 70 by the time of the Romans. More like from the year, I don't know, what, 586 or the other way, 486, you know, however you do your your, your calculations. That's the Gaulus we're in. And if you wish to, maybe even in the Gaulus Mitzrayim. Maybe the whole bias region might be some kind of Pekita Alma or something like that. Not a Pekita Alma, which is just a temporary remembering. It's more than that, but 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 it wasn't certainly the final business. Uh, it certainly was not the final business. And if you take literally those Chazals that say, for example, that David Amel composed all the Tehillim and said, Al-Naris Babo Shom Yasham Negambachinu, that means David Amel, when he had Ruch Kodesh was already foreseeing that the Bayes Rishon itself would be an episode. Because he was putting all of his time and effort, as we all know, into building the first temple. That was his magnificent obsession. Ad Kedekach, when Hashem said, you can't build it yourself because your hands are full of blood, he did everything but build it, as I've said many times. If you read the whole Dibrayama, uh, especially Dibrayama of the second half, he you know drew up the plans and the architecture and the music and the choirs and the guards and the Mishmar Sakahuna and this and that, and the other, you name it. See, he was super into 
building a base of Migdash, and he left it for for Shlomo to do, but building a base of Migdash. And yet the same guy that's going working night and day. I mean, that's what he was holding in all the uh, the whole second half of his life, if not more, maybe. This guy who was obsessed in the most spiritually exalted way with building base of Migdash is the same guy who's saying Al Naris Baba that he foresaw that the that the base of Migdash is as big and glorious it is one last. Okay? So I'm taking it even more than uh Kreskus. Uh and I'm looking here at my rusty trusty Chidoha Gora, uh which is one of my favorites. I'm talking about the nice one with the Nakudas and all the rest of it, which takes which collects from all the many writings, you know, the Chidor wrote like a hundred books, right? So really. So uh but of course his his Pesach Hagar is uh, Simchas Regal, rather classic. And says so uh, written three hundred years ago, I guess, or close to that. And uh and if you look at the part over here, and my sister in Israel asked me, said, Where'd you get that from? And I always forget where, but here I happen to see it this Pesach again, and he pushes the idea that more or less you and I are in not exactly the Gaulus Mitzrayim, but the leftovers of the Gaulus Mitzrayim. And uh, uh, I guess he's going over here, and uh, he's saying, the question would be. And again, this is from the Chidah, that I guess you have the uh, Manishtana, which, you know, part of it is, is, is Matzah, part of it's Mara. Some of it looks like it's for Gullus, and some of it looks like it's for Cheres, you know. So uh, what, what, what's going on over here about Tshuva? And the answer, he says, the Chidah is, Shemayinu Nishar Mitzrayim Rabbi Meishana, that really, we were destined, Pashat shot to be 400 actual years in Egypt. And the Jews should have been in Gaulus in Egypt, either in heavy slavery or at least in the Gaulus of Egypt for 400 years. And you know, we didn't do that. Had we been able to withstand and stick it out without succumbing to the Vodazara 400 years in Egypt, that would be the end of the Gaulus. Then our geula would have been a geula solam, kafishim kasim amafarshim. I will hoil ve'amadnu l'shkab benun charitoma ulitama kolil. But since we were not successful at this, and by the end of two hundred and ten years we were about to go totally under, in not the memtesh charitoma but the nun charitoma, and therefore it would have been a grand failure. The Jewish people would have come totally gaim, and they won't want to leave under any circumstances. I repeat, under any circumstances. So that's why God had to be mechashev as a kates and take us out prematurely. And since we see in the Haggadah that if Hashem hadn't taken us out of Egypt, we would be meshub at the par Mitzrayim. So basically, we still are. Right? So it's necessary to make up the time 
qualitatively, obviously not quantitatively, in future Golises, Galios. And that's why he says we do this actually to Seder. It's a vart, you know. That's why we start, you know, with the matzah stuff, and then we switch to the mar stuff. Meaning, we start with the gaula that we had in Egypt, but then we go to the mar, which is the, which is the gaulus in the future. Okay, that you and I are in right now. Uh, now he's not the only one. Somebody, it's a, it's a very classic uh, um, citation. Which means, if you buy into this, then... It's been a pessimistic situation since the time of Egypt. Uh, if the Claw Yisrael would do Chuba Shalema, all right. Ain't going to happen so fast. And so short of that, since you didn't get burned out the way you were supposed to burn out all your Averis, all your bad qualities, in uh, 210 years in Egypt, in 86 years of harsh labor, so then you have to do it little by little, bit by bit, over thousands of years in many different climates and situations, down to including the Holocaust and even past that. That's the theological way of looking at all this. And that's why he says you got the more in there. Um, you know, I mentioned the other day, I don't know it was here or somewhere else, Pesach, Matzah, Mar. Pesach and Matzah have to do with the night of Pesach. Maror did not. So usually they say, but the Mar was a reminder of the slavery in Egypt. Well, and there's other ways of give other answers you can give also. But Mara could be because Pesach and Matzah, yeah, you got out of Egypt, but Mara, but you ain't didn't get totally out of Egypt. And we're still part of that now. And so you can't say, how come in the Gauls Bavel it was shorter and the current Gauls is longer? The Gauls Bavel was not shorter. We're still in the Gauls Bavel. And the Bayashani old business was a blip on the screen. You know, it was like a five-second commercial, uh, a five-minute commercial. Uh, but we'll return to our planned program you know, after a short period of time. Uh, so that's a very unusual and interesting way of looking at the whole phenomenon of Gaulus. Now, Kreskis goes on to say, maybe the Gaulus is good for us, and, uh, you know, things like that, and, you know, and, 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 and we teach the rest of the world about monotheism and the kind of arguments they used to offer in classic Pikuchim in debates back in the high Middle Ages. But the key is so, is this um, uh, evaluation of the past. The past is always uh, changing uh, because evaluations of the past are always changing. So if somebody looked at, you know, you look at the Civil War one way now, and, uh, you know, in 10, 20 years, you look at the Civil War differently uh, because, of, because of the present, you see? Or you look at World War II one way 20 years ago, you look at World War II differently today. Because you don't know how the long plans play out. Now, God does, <laughs> but we don't. And so we know that um, part of the process, not life after death, but in the national life, has to do with Gullus and then Geula. But do we mean a, uh, you know, a, a full Gullus followed by a full Geula? Or do you mean a. Um, interrupted gullus, which unfortunately then means you'll have an interrupted geula. Okay? So if Kresk is around today, he wouldn't say for sure, you know, the state of Israel is the, is, is the end game or something like that. Because who knows? You know, it could be another episode. I hope he's wrong, obviously. Obviously. But, uh, but that's his way of looking at these sorts of things. 
So I think this is just a, an interesting aspect since we're now going on uh, Pesach and we talk about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Is Pesach the end of the Gauls Mitzrayim or was it a kind of a recess in the Gauls Mitzrayim? Anyway, I just wanted to share that thought. Again, I want to thank Mishpachas Tzavansky. Again, wish them Mazel Tov and uh, have a good last days of Pesach.